You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Get to because I want to talk to you a little bit too. But uh, all this has been good. It's been a great morning so far. God has been here, is here, uh, and uh, He's talking to us. Hopefully, each one of us individually, um, and hopefully now He can speak to us corporately through His Word this morning. And uh, we're in a series, and uh, we're just going to continue to to pick up on that series. So this morning, as I'm talking to you and greeting you, you can turn to James chapter one. And um, I'm going to begin this morning at verse 18, and we're going to go through several verses of Scripture here in uh, the first chapter of James. And then at the end of the service today, we are going to have communion together. And uh, that's going to be a very sweet and precious time for us to just be together uh, for a few minutes with Jesus in a, in a very worshipful and intimate kind of way. Uh, so uh, let's get into that as, as quick as we can here. I, I too, just want to want to kind of resound with these other guys here, this idea uh, that uh, we really need to obey God. You know, we really need to submit ourselves to God's word. And uh, one of the beautiful ways that Life Church can do that is to reach out where we can with our resources and our time and our energy, whether that's this neighborhood or Swaziland, the Horn of Africa, or other places, China as well. Um, I just want to encourage you, you are, you are God's people. You are the agents in the earth that God is going to use to do uh, things to reach the hearts of other people. And uh, these are the times when the church needs to rise up, when there's catastrophic things going on around the world. It's a, it's a great opportunity for the church to stand up and say, hey, we represent the Father. We represent the Father. And out of that representation, we want to be generous, and we want to give, and we want to love, and we want to care, and we want to, we want to help each other. So uh, be, just be prayerful of what you might be able to do in the coming days to help with that, okay? Hey, let's pray together, and, uh, and uh, then we're going to get right into this word here this morning. God, we do love you so much, and we're so grateful that you are here with us, so grateful that you have given us your inspired word, so grateful that your word is alive and active in our lives, so grateful that that we can change as we sit under the light of truth. We pray this morning that you will help us, Father, that you will open our hearts in a very wonderful and non-threatening way to receive the truth of your word, to allow you to speak deep into the core of our being. Really define us today, Father. Really challenge us from your word today. Really grab a hold of us, Lord, in such a way that we don't want to let go of you. Let your word be that light to our path today. Let us lean into you now as we share. Lord, would you help me not to be so much about me? Would you help me not to be so big today? Um, Help me to get very small here. Help me to be uh, insignificant as you are made great through the preaching of your word. Would you allow me to experience a, a greater level of humility than I ever have so that I can preach with the greatest boldness that I possibly can about the greatest God that there ever is or could be or would be, and that is you. Let your son Jesus be exalted today. Holy Spirit, come and and speak and work in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, There's so much in James. I thought when when we first started talking about doing a, a series on James, I, uh, it really grabbed my heart because I, I love the book of James and I hate it at the same time. I shouldn't say hate, that's such a huge word. Um, I, 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 really, I really hate getting into James and, and going through it because I feel like that constantly when I'm in the book of James, I'm getting, I'm getting this, all, you know, bad boy, bad boy. Because there's all these things, don't do this, don't do that. You know, you should be like this, you should be like that. And that isn't the way James wrote at all. That isn't the intent of James. As we said last week, James is such a servant. James has such a heart and a compassion for the body of Christ. And for, in particular, it was the, the, the Jews and in, in, uh, the Israelites. Uh, he, 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 just, he had such compassion for where they were being all scattered about and, and, uh, and many of them in exile in various places and all of that. And, uh, and we talked about that last week. Um, but James's heart is for the church. James's heart is for the believers and, and for not only uh, them uh, being believers, but living out these beliefs, all right, walking out this life. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. And I want to talk in particular uh, about the way that you and I should experience our salvation, all right? 
I want to talk about the way that, that we need to, the, the, the right way, if you will, to live out our salvation. Another way that you could look at this passage that I'm going to share from this morning is that, that the idea of integrity over duplicity. All right, living a centered life, living a life of oneness, living a life of obedience and, and, and commitment to God, and, and not living in two different worlds, not living in the kingdom and stepping out and trying to live in the earth realm and being worldly and ungodly and all of those kinds of things while professing something very differently. And so I want this to really challenge us this morning that we are men and women of great integrity. Uh, before God. But also, I want us to really look at this as what is my purpose? What is it that I am supposed to be doing as I live out this faith walk with God, as I live in, in the world, as I, I work at my job, as I go about relating to people, as I, I clean up my house and, and, and in my neighborhood and, and do all these kinds of things. What is it that I'm supposed to be doing for God and how am I supposed to be living for God? And I think that's one of the, the more practical things that we can get. And I think when we stumble on some of that, it really does bring joy to us to be able to, to lay this out and, and, and grab it and understand it, grasp it well, it, it should bring joy to us. It shouldn't just be, we, we don't just find our joy in those trials that he, we talked about last week. We don't just find our joy in the wisdom that we get to know how to handle those trials, but we find our joy in the relationship, all right? And in the world today, I think there are a lot of people uh, that are, are talking about religion, all right? Uh, good and bad. And, and this, this word religion uh, as, as we're using it, I think personally it gets a lot of bad press, uh, especially in a lot of like charismatic circles and, and uh, 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 free church kind of circles. And, and I love free church. You know, I create an environment of freedom. I want us to be a very free church. I want you to feel freedom to worship God. I want you to feel freedom to experience relationships and, 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 and step out and, and, and trust God. Maybe at a level you've never trusted God before. I want you to feel free in, in what you're doing uh, in, in life church as we live life together. That's very, very important to me, that we are life-giving, that we live out of the tree of life, not out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So these are very, very important things to me. They're close to my heart. Um, but but I, I want us to say this, you know, religion is something that I think we need to embrace. And the bad press that it gets is, is that there's this idea that it, it, it's placed unbiblically, if you will, in contrast to a relationship with God. In many circles, and, and let, let me try to explain this for, briefly for you, in, in some circles, especially in some of the freer circles, a lot of people will tell you, well, either you're religious or you follow the Holy Spirit. And so all of a sudden they've just created this horrendous divide between religion and being able to follow the Spirit. And you'll hear people say, well, that church is religious, so, so uh, they, they, don't, they don't have any freedom. They don't have any life there because they are religious. And yet, if I understand the Bible right, it is in our religion that we will find life and that we will have truth. And I, I realize that a form of religion can keep you from a relationship with God. All right? And it's all about the relationship with God. God. It's all about the relationship with the Father. All right? So the, the whole of what our message is all about here at Life Church is that the Father's heart of God is for you. It is towards you. God loves you. That's why He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, to forgive you, to redeem you, to set you in right relationship with Him. This is the great message of the church. This is the gospel, if you will, all right? And so we are intent that we have intimacy and we have dynamic personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we know the Father, that we love Him, that we have relationship with Him, that we are affirmed by Him, that we believe in that affirmation of the Father, that that affirmation and that love brings healing to us and, and deliverance to us, and all of that is vitally important. And I understand that in some circles there are forms of religion that can, can separate you from that intimacy and that relationship with God. But here's what I want you to understand, and this is where I, I think sort of the deception comes in, is that there is no way, people, that we can have relationship with God without practicing religion. It, it comes with the territory. And please hear me out on this. Don't write me off right up front here, okay? Listen to me. Listen to James more than you listen to me, okay? 
Because I think James has a, a profound message for us here today, all right? Religion that is pure and undefiled. In fact, this religion that we're going to talk about today is the result of the process of salvation itself. I'm not talking about just the experience of salvation, that point in time when you have a revelation that you are without God or that you are living in sin away from God and God convicts your heart of that sin and you come to Him and you ask for forgiveness and, and He readily, lovingly, generously forgives you of all of your sin and restores you into a right relationship. That is a beautiful experience. That is a moment that happens but I'm telling you that there is more to that. There is a process of salvation. The Bible says work your salvation out with fear and with trembling in terms of a relationship with God. Work it out. And so there's a practical side of our salvation that needs to come out of us. All right? It needs, it needs to flow out of us, if you will. And that process comes as we have relationship with the Father. And that is a pure and an undefiled religion. And James starts to address that here in this book. So the question is, how can I be assured then that my religion is right or that my religion is good? And so for an answer, that's what we do. We go into the, into the Word. We go into the Scriptures. We look here at James beginning, I want to begin at verse 18. And, and we look at this, this teaching of James that kind of centers around this idea of, of being birthed here, if you will. All right? And, and so we're going to just run through the Scriptures real quick, and then I'm going to go back and, and, and look at several of them with you, okay? Let's start at verse 18. He chose to give us birth. I'm reading out of the NIV here. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that He created. We are a first fruits, if you will, all right? I, I like the, the, uh, the uh, New American Standard Version as well in this, and I think it, it has a nice way of saying this. It says, in the exercise of His will, remember we've already talked and established that God is a sovereign God, all right? In the exercise of His will, James is saying God is not the source of our sin. He just, just addressed that a little bit earlier. He's not the source of our sin, but He is the source of our salvation. And He took the initiative to save us. He sent His Son, all right? So He had intentionality in this, and He took the initiative to save us, so He, he sent His Son so that we could be saved. It says He brought us forth. The, the, new, the, uh, the New American Standard Version says, He brought us forth. Uh, that, that word is sometimes like the, the word begat, all right? He became our Father, all right? He brought us forth, all right? By, the Bible says here in James, the word of truth, all right? The, please, please understand this, okay? The agency of the new birth, I know that we are saved by faith and not by works, lest any man should boast. I know that it is imperative that you must believe and confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. I understand that. Okay. But if we understand this passage, I think, fully here, he is saying here that the agency of the new birth is the word of God. Now, let me explain that. God uses the gospel as his means of transforming sinners to saints. I cannot have a relationship with God without acceptance of the Word of God which establishes that relationship. I so appreciate what, what Nathan said this morning about just get in the Word, read the Word, obey the Word. These are important things. The Word sets the foundation for us and how that we live and how that we approach God. And so it is imperative, it's important because, because our success in being God's children is vitally connected to our relationship with His Word. That is absolute, absolutely essential, all right? How, how can you, the, the Bible asks a question, poses the question, how can you be saved lest you hear? How can you hear lest someone brings the Word? All right? Now, I, I know that you don't need a preacher to be saved. I know that, that you don't need a, a, a witness to be saved of, of another person necessarily testifying to you. God can speak to you. 
You can hear God himself. It can be audible. It can be in circumstances and in situations. It can be in creation itself. But God can speak to you. But we, for the most part, will find that it is through the word that we come to know God. All right? It is certainly through the word uh, that, that this experience is born out and we have success as being God's children. All right? And when I say success is being God's children, I'm not talking about success in that, like, okay, it got done. All right, I, I, I did the prayer. I, you know, I prayed it. I, I prayed the way you said. I repeated what you said. All right, it's done. Success. I, I made it. I'm a Christian. I'm not talking about that. I think, I think we sometimes just get too crazy about how that prayer is supposed to be and exactly what words you're supposed to say and how you confess and how public you make it and, and there gets to be a lot of law and legalism over, over that kind of stuff. I, that is not as big an issue for me. The success of your salvation is six months later, a year later, five years later, ten years later. Where are you with God? Where is that relationship? How is it borne out successfully? How has your salvation worked out? Okay. But, but he says here in, in verse 18 that we might be a kind of first fruits, if you will, of all he created. And we are done that. We, we, that is for us because he gives us birth through the word of truth. All right. So that truth is in you. That salvation, that truth starts to, to work in you. But you need to stay in the word. All right. You need to, 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 to live out this word in some successful manner. And, and in all honesty, as, as your pastors, this is chief among our uh, desires is that you are successful as a, as a Christian, that you have a, a, success, a successful walk with God, all right? Now, this, this first fruits thing, all right? This whole idea of being first fruits, I think, is, is, is powerful. Um, and, and this idea comes to us, or should come to us, with this sense of, okay, there's something I need to do here. There's, I need to be a part of this thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a first fruits of something here. So, so uh, I, I need, to, I need to, to produce myself in some way. I need, I need to give in some way. I need to, to do in some way. Now, that isn't to set up some system of performance. All right, That isn't to set up some system of works. It is simply to say, there is, a, there is a confirmation, there is an affirmation to my salvation that needs to be evident. And it needs to be evidenced through my doing good. So as a first fruits, I need to then to be one who produces fruit. All right? It needs to, as, as I have received, I, I need to also give. All right? And so we have this this dynamic that starts to happen that as we grow and as we mature and we become obedient to the word, we should begin to see things manifesting in our lives and happening in our lives. And James didn't write this so that, that the pastor or, or, or the elder or, or the, the highly spiritual person could have a list to check off and to start judging you. Well, you don't do this and you don't help the poor and you don't reach the widow and you don't read your word and you're not happy when these trials come along your way. And, you know, and so they start ticking off all of these things and in a little while, well, you're, just, you're, you're very unsuccessful. <laughs> but you don't feel unsuccessful. You feel like dirt. You, know, you feel condemned. You feel, you feel it's like you're not a part. You don't, you don't belong. The enemy comes in and starts to condemn you because you're living. And eventually you feel dead. Why? Because the law in and of itself can kill you. All right? So that's not James' intent here at all in, in this passage. It, it, it's quite different, all right? James, and, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you can say, well, let's, let's define first fruits, and, and that's sort of like the new creation, and, and uh, he's bringing stuff into existence, and all those kinds of things. And, and James is talking about the, the Jewish Christians, and so they were God's first fruits, and, and the Gentiles come later, so this isn't about us. Let, let's, let's, let's try to make an analogy, an application here that is about us, all right? I don't want to write this off and say it's about the Jews in Jerusalem at the time of James. I don't think so. I don't think it's just for James. This day. I don't think it's just for, for, for the, the Israelites back in, in that day. I, I think it's for you and I. I think you and I can have an application here. I think we can make something here stick for us. And that is this, that, that this term, first fruits here, all right, I, I believe it, it, it sometimes, even in scriptures, it means the best. Give the best, all right? The, the idea here is, have you ever grown a tomato plant 
you know, like even in a pot in your, in, in your patio or something, or you have, have a little garden or, or uh, other vegetables, or, you know, um, when, when the plants get really healthy, maybe yours never did, my, I have struggles with that, but, um, you know, I try from time to time, I try to, you know, do it again, and, but, you know, you, and, and then you go, you drive by somebody and you see like this, this mammoth, like morphed, tomato plant, you know, that's out there that has got like these gargantuan tomatoes and you're just like, how in the world can he do that, you know? He's got some secret toxic, you know, thing that he poured on there and people are going to eat those tomatoes and die, you know? Uh, you know, that's just jealousy, you know, coming out in me. Um, but I'm looking at these tomatoes and I'm thinking, wow, you know, they're, they're, they're huge. Um, but what you realize is that when you pick those, those luscious first fruits, that's, that's taken a lot from the plant. And oftentimes the next crop is not quite so um, grand. It's not quite so, so tasty. You know? and, and eventually as, as fruit gets produced, the latter fruits, they're not quite as good. They're, they're, sometimes they're even below standard. That's why, you can go to one, that's why you can go to one store and buy produce. It's a little more expensive, but you go, man, that really tasted good. But you can go to another store and buy produce, and it's cheaper. But you go, wow, it didn't taste as good, though. Why? Second fruits. Third fruits. All right? You go buy a can of juice. It's not first fruits. You get more money putting those in the produce department. It's the other fruit that makes the juice, unless you buy premium juice. And then they guarantee you that you got the first fruits. Do you follow what I'm saying? You are first fruit. You're not second. You're not third. If nothing else causes joy for you, let that, let that bring joy into your heart today. You are the first fruits of God. You're His. You belong to Him. And, and in that place of being first fruits, in that identity, let it speak to us and let God work in our lives so that we are demonstrating the quality of life that is superior. Again, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really hammer this, I'm not talking about performing. I'm not asking you to go out and just do something for the sake of doing so you have some reputation. Actually, I'm telling you to do the opposite. I'm telling you to be like Jesus, who gave up his reputation, who was willing to empty himself out and take on a form of humility, all right, that, that did not allow him to be superior or to perform at some level so that that's what he was known for. And he continually buffeted that throughout his ministry, trying to stay in that place of, of humility and of being emptied out. And I want to challenge you and I that we stay there, that we stay in that place, just as I believe James is in that place as he's preaching here to these people. He's saying, he's saying I'm here to serve you. I'm here to be the servant here. And I'm speaking these things that are challenging and that can disrupt you in some way, that can really grab a hold of you and shake you a little bit and, and really challenge you. I, I'm saying them out of love, out of a desire for you, not because I, I am trying to, to force you to do something or, or I'm trying to put a law upon you. I'm telling you that this is the best way. It's good to go this way. It's good to follow God. It's good to be obedient to God. It's good to have a relationship with the Father and out of that relationship to bear good fruits, all right, and to live in, in, that, in that fruitfulness, all right? So, I don't say this to make us feel self-righteous because I don't want you to go that direction either. But I really want you to, I want to encourage you to live out of this idea that I, I am superior. All right? Not superior to my brother, not superior to my sister, but I am a superior fruit. I am, I am one that God can use. You know, one of the, one of the great... Um, indictments upon Western society today is that Western society is an inferior society. And there are some that are saying there are studies now to, you know, to bear this out, but we're actually seeing it in our, in our, uh, our government. We're actually seeing it in the condition of our country. Our, our roads are e eroding. Our, 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 our rail system is, is horrible. Even our airports are, are, are uh, amok. The, the, the runways are terrible. The tarmacs are terrible. Uh, the infrastructure of America is crumbling, uh, while the infrastructure of China is just flourishing and growing, and the infrastructure of some of the, uh, the what were at one time third world countries like Brazil are just uh, 
they're just flourishing and, and, and much is happening there to advance technology and bridges are unbelievable and transportation, uh, you know, mass transportation is just, just, uh, just exploding. Uh, what are they saying? They're saying that, that we as Americans no longer see ourselves as a superior nation because we're bound by inferiority and we are willing to settle for the attributes of an inferior view. And I don't believe that's true. I mean, we, we see some of that in, in this country today. But I believe that, that this is the place where the church comes back now and, and with great um, confidence, we affirm that in God, we are superior fruit. We have the capability of producing. We have the capability of being what God wants us to be and to do what God has called us to do. How many of you have seen somebody in, in, in some aspect of life and they touted that they were this and they were that and they were the other, but when the truth was known about them, they were not. They were not any of those things at all. There was a duplicity. There's two tracks running. They have an image there is an image that, that is there that is being projected. But the truth is, that is not who that person is. All right? You're going to bear the fruit of who you truly are. And here's what I think is one of the problems in the church. It's because we're, we're oftentimes not who we are. Therefore, we cannot bear fruit. And so, the fruits of righteousness are left undone. They're amiss in the church. And so we have a great deal of duplicity going on within the body of Christ. And James is saying it can't be that way. That, that's not the way you and I are going to live, all right? Instead, we're going to receive the word. He says in verse 19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Then in verse 21, he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. All right? I, I, I love this particular passage. This is one of those that I was talking about earlier, that when I would read this, I would just feel like, mm, there I am, mm, there I am, mm, there I am again, you know. Uh, and, and, and I don't want us to, to go that way today. But here's what I want you to do. Preachers quote this, these verses, and they do it as if it's a general commandment on how to treat others, all right? how we relate to one another. All right? You get into some, um, some groups, and, and, and people will say, well, well, okay, be slow to speak now. All right? don't, don't get angry. You, know, you need to be quick to just be a listener. All right? Um, because we want that to be the group dynamic or whatever. Well, and, and I think there, there are many such verses in the Bible that, that address some of that kind of stuff. But I don't think this is one of them. I don't think this is that kind of place here. I think in the context here, this is talking about our relationship to God and the word of truth. It's, it's not so much a description here of our moral character in general, but it's a response to God God's efforts to save us, God's efforts to work through us and, and produce through us. So I think James here is saying, hey, when it comes to your relationship with God and, and your pure and undefiled religion, you need to be quick to hear. All right? Hear what? Hear the word. You need to be quick to hear what God is saying. Are our ears really focused on the word of God? Are, are we really ready to hear what God has to say to us? Do, do we say like Samuel did, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? You know, is that really the posture that we take when the pastor stands up on Sunday morning or, or, or the teacher or, or, or in, in the life group when someone really has the, the rhema word, you know, they have the voice of the Lord, they just speak something and it's, it's starting to grip the room a little bit. Do we really hear that and go, yes, Lord, I'm listening. I'm hearing you. Do we really tune in to that? You know? And, and, and do we really value that word of God as he speaks to us? See, if I'm preaching the true word of God to you, you're not really listening to me. You're listening to God. It should be God speaking through me, through his, his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am just a mere vessel. 
I'm just a, a conduit. That is all that I am. All right? The Word is God's Word. All right? The anointing upon that, that Word that comes with that Word to bring revelation to you, that is the Holy Spirit. All right, that is, is working. It is not, it is not Bill or, or Dave or, or, or Nathan or, 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 or anybody else who got up here this morning. All right? Then he says, slow to speak. Everybody has an opinion, I know. But, but the, the disciple is, is concerned here only with this. And, and, and I think this is James's heart, and it needs to be not only the early disciples, but ours is what's the Lord saying? What's God speaking? There's a verse that says the Lord is in the holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. <laughs> now, d- does that mean be quiet when you go to church? No. It doesn't mean you can be loud necessarily. You know, there's an appropriate time for a lot of different things. Here. But, but what, what, what is this? Do we recognize that God is speaking? Do we honor what he is saying? Do we reverence the opportunity to hear from God? Or are we busy and preoccupied and caught up in the affairs of this world that we are living in to such a degree that the the truth of God's word doesn't really get in? We hear it, but we don't really listen to it. We, we hear something, but we're not really listening, all right? And then this is the interesting one in relationship to God. And that is, be slow to anger. Be slow to, with God? Well, let me ask you some more questions. What, what is your reaction when God challenges your behavior? What do, you, what do you do when God sort of calls you up? And, and bring something to the forefront, all right? What, what is your behavior? Do you get mad? Do you get upset? Do you get indignant? When someone preaches the truth and it, it, it steps on our, our, our toes, so to speak, or it, it hits home, as we say, or, or, or we think, he's just preaching to me. I had, I had one person in church on one occasion, they came to me after church, and they said, um, I'm really upset with you. I'm really mad with you. And, and I go, why? And they said, because you preached all about me this morning, and you told everybody about me. And I go, sweetie, I, I, never, I never mentioned your name once. And, and she said, you didn't have to. Everybody knew it. And, and I said, knew what? And she goes, you know. And I go, no, I don't know. And she said, well, somebody talked to you. Because everything you preached about this morning that, that you said we shouldn't do are things in my life. And she said, I can't trust you. I can't trust this church anymore. I said, you need to talk to Jesus, lady. I, I didn't do anything. I didn't even get a revelation. I didn't know. I'm totally ignorant here. I, 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 I'm innocent, you know. And she's, she's angry. She left the church. I had another lady tell me, this is not a gender issue here, okay? It just happens to be two ladies, all right? So I'm so sorry. If I had a good one for a man, I'd plow them into him, okay? But I had another lady, and she came to me one day, and she goes, she goes, I'm done. I said, done with what? And she, she said, I'm not going to grow anymore. I'm done. I'm tired of growing. I'm tired of changing. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not listening anymore. So I'm done. I'm just going to sit down right here, and this is where I'm going to be. You know, we sort of smile. We sort of laugh about that. But maybe some of us have been in that place where we're thinking, I, I'm really tired of being changed. I'm really tired of being transformed. I'm really tired of God getting into my closet and picking stuff out and going, you see this? You need to toss this. You know, we don't, we don't like that place a lot of times. Okay? But, but if God is in there, he's in there for good. God is for you, not against you. God's intent in your life is to help you. When my children were little and they start to run towards the road, I started screaming in the most angry-sounding voice you could possibly imagine, Don't go in the road! Oh! And I run and I catch them. And I yank them back and I say, you cannot do that. Do you see that car out there? That car will run over you and that car will kill you. That car will destroy you. <laughs> they didn't look at me and go, you know, you have some problems and you have some anger issues and you're really messing with me and I feel very violated right now. Number one, they knew I loved them. 
And number two, they began to understand, even if I had overreacted to some degree, that there's an issue here of danger. And I love James because James doesn't overreact. James is such a servant and so humble. And he's just saying, hey, you're superior. You're the unbelievable first fruits of God. So there's some things that you need to do. You need to be careful, all right? You need to be careful. You need to be quick to hear and be slow to speak and then slow to anger. Don't get upset with what God is doing in your life. Don't get upset when God is speaking about some issues, core issues to you. Here's the big question. What is your attitude towards God and His Word? How do you really look at it? Is it really the light to your path? Is it really the change agent? Is it really the cutting two-edged sword in your life? Are you really willing to let God speak into your world and into your life? Look at verse 21. Get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. All right, get, get rid. Of, take an inventory here, all right? We need to put aside this filthiness. We, we need, all, uh, one translation says, all that remains of wickedness. And then with humility, you receive the word that is implanted, all right? It's been, been deposited inside of you, all right? All right, James is saying that we need to keep working until we've put aside all that is wrong in our lives. And here's the misconception, and, and this, is, this is where it, it, it's, it's gone, is that, okay, we have to work and we have to perform so that we look good. That's wrong. That's not God. God never intended it to be that way. But God didn't say, therefore, you shouldn't work or you shouldn't do. Or you shouldn't be active. On the other hand, what God is saying is as good fruit, first fruits, you need to produce fruit. There are some things that you need to be doing. You need to be active in this process of growing and of maturing. All right? How often have you said, well, I know I'm not perfect, but. Or you say, oh, I know I have a problem with that, but. Those big buts need to get out of the way. Those big butts are skewing your view of God. They're blocking something here that is very pertinent to you, and that is an understanding of, of who God is fully, the big God, the whole God, the whole picture, all right? You know, the, the, here, here, here's another question. How much dirt can you tolerate? I, I remember, I won't name the name, but one of my children, when they were, they were much younger, you know, um, it dawned on me. I, I kept looking at, at, at him, and, and, I, and I thought, he's dirty. Well, that knocked you down to two. Now you got to, at least, you know, it's two out of three. He's, he's really dirty. He's dirty. And I, he hadn't really been outside that much, you know. So I'm like, when's the last time you took a bath? And uh, he goes, I don't know. And I go, well, try to remember. Think about it. I, I know you haven't taken one today. Did you take one last night? No. Um, do you think in the last three days you've taken a, a bath or a shower? No. When do you think is the last time you may have taken a shower? A long time ago. And I'm like, get in the tub. It was obvious that, that my son tolerated a lot more dirt than I did. Now, the spiritual application here is, how much sin will you tolerate? You know? How long will you go? Some of us need some good sanctification, you know? We just need to let, let the, the Word sanctify us. You know, we need to get into the, How many of you get into the Word and you feel condemned? Let's shift that, all right? Let's, let's don't go to the Word thinking, I'm going to be condemned. Because you won't go. All right? Let's shift and let's, let's get that joy thing, you know, that joy position. Count it all joy when you go through trials. All right? Let's go. Hey, here's the joy. God can 
sanctify me. God can clean me up. And when he does, when that pruning process takes place, I become fruit bearing. I have something to, to give. There's, there's more here. I grow. I mature. And so I want to challenge you and I that that's, that's where we are living is out of that place uh, of, of I'm going to mature. I'm going to grow. I'm going to give. I'm going, I'm going to have something that I can give to God. And that is a pure and undefiled religion. And that religion isn't to save you. That religion is to glorify God. Make a difference and have an impact on the earth. Things like that. Is this making sense to you? Okay. Because I, I, I really want us to, to, to get this idea here that maturity is a very good thing. You know, and that we're going to, we are going to grow, we're going to mature, and it's going to hurt some to do that. James had full revelation that this was not a pleasing message. He, he, had, he had a good understanding that, that he wasn't going to give them what they wanted to hear right now. All right, Look at verse 23. We're going to have to stop here. But anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, I love that passage, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. We, we need to be doers, not just hearers. And, and I want to just, as, before we close here, I, I want to ex- expose a deception here today, all right? See, going to church is a good thing. I'm so glad you're here today. It's great. I love church. I love being in church. I think the church is, is, is vital. I think that God is going to do some amazing things to, to renew and revive and restore and restructure the church in the coming uh, years. And I think that the church is going to be better than it's ever been. All right? Because the church is the bride. All right? And I think he's getting the bride ready. All right? So I, I love the church. But, but in the church, all right, church is a good thing, but in the church we often confuse the distinction between hearing and doing, all right? So when we go to church, we do a good thing because it gives us a chance to hear what God says. But it is really easy, really easy to substitute hearing what God says for doing it. All right? We substitute hearing for doing you ever leave a church and it's a dynamic minister and they have an amazing message and it just sets everybody on fire? I've, I've referred oftentimes to, to Pastor Daniel and Pastor David and I going to, to, to Florida and hearing all those sermons. We did a million soul conference and their idea was to get you so excited and pumped up that you would go out and, and win a million souls to, to the kingdom of God. And uh, we came back just about decimated and, and, uh, and ready to give up. because we just we, and I, How many sermons did we listen to? Uh, how many? 37 sermons in what? Three days? Two, two, and a, two and a half days. We listened to 37 sermons by great men of God. You know, this guy from, from England was sitting next to me at one point. And he said, Pastor Bill, do you think I could go outside? Honestly, brother, I'm splintered. Shattered. Yeah, shattered. I'm shattered. And I was like, go. <laughs> I wanted to go with him, but, but I, I was too wrongly religious to do that um but but i would hear guys leaving out of there and they'd go boy i heard that boy i got that they're all southerners yeah boy that spoke to me you know and i'm thinking what are you gonna do with that what 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 will be the fruit of that you know and and i I think that that james gives us a, a a nice you know understanding here here this is a wonderful application hearing the word is like looking in a mirror some important words here that he uses that i love you know and and the key one is the perfect law all right the law of liberty or the law of freedom it blesses when we obey it all right that's that's the joy point right there all right when i obey god he blesses when i take the word and i i obey it, it 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 blesses me and it's a great joy to be blessed in of god all right um, so, first of all, you've got to value the Word. That is absolutely imperative in this, in this teaching of James here. You have got to value the Word, okay? All right. But, but then uh, he, he goes on and, and talks about it more. And, and he says, you know, the, the danger here is that you look at it, you look into it, you gaze into it, all right? 
uh, but it is immediately forgotten. No preaching, no Bible study does you any good that does not produce a prolonged reflection and meditation that results in an action or an application. That's absolutely essential. All right? If you read the Bible and nothing happens, don't read the Bible. It isn't doing you any good. If, if, if you're that shut down that you can actually read the Bible and, and it doesn't produce anything, you don't allow it to work in you, you don't need to be reading it. You're losing it. You're losing it as fast as you're getting it there. And that's what he's talking about, all right? If, it, you, know, if you leave here and you go eat lunch, and by the time you're done eating lunch, you have forgotten something that, that God really tapped you on this morning and really spoke to you about, then it hasn't done you any good. This is the idea of an effectual doer, a continuous doer, all right? If we can't find ways to apply the message of God's Word, how is it going to help us? How can we put into motion what we have learned? And this is the part that, that, that your pastors are intent on and going to be re relentless about doing here is this idea that you need to be doing something. Not to perform but to, to give evidence to your salvation and to be obedient to God because if you're in the Word, you should be doing something about the Word. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer, all right? And, and, and here, this is the biggest problem in Western culture, in, in, in church, in particular in America, is that we are very good at listening on Sunday morning, but losing it shortly thereafter and not doing it. And, and I'm going to tell you what. Let me tell you something else first. And then we, I, I got to close. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Okay, let's go down to verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. I don't think I've ever read this verse and not had it shake me up. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Care about those that are less fortunate. Care about those that are disenfranchised. Care about those that need so much. All right, But not only that. It's not just, you see, you could do that and justify that you're okay. Because, but if you do, then you've relegated that to just works to save you. That's what you've done. Also, you keep yourself from being polluted by the world. And it's the doing that works to inoculate you against the world. As Pastor Dave so beautifully put it this morning, you get to give something to world missions, and, 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 and when you do, it helps you, it inoculates you against greed. It inoculates you against selfishness. So the joy of being obedient to God is that we get inoculated against the world and the world order and, and the world standard and that, that sort of thing. All right? so, so we have this beautiful message at the end here that says this is what, this is what we are supposed to be doing. And here's what I want to bring to you all right? it, is that this is our intent as pastors is to get you doing stuff. And, and this, this idea of orphans and widows and doing and all of that, I mean, here's the joy for me in, in reading James right now, is look where God has put us. Look at this wonderful neighborhood that we're in. God has put us as a church in this neighborhood to love this neighborhood. And so we have the opportunity to do it. All right? I, I know some of you don't like Nike, and I understand why, but let me tell you something. I love one of their phrases, just do it. And I think that, that if, if James was, was here today and he saw the Nike slogan, he would, he would hate Nike more than anybody, all right, because of their greed and their prosperity and all that kind of stuff, all right? I understand that. But I think he would look at that phrase and go, hey, that's my, that's my epistle. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm, just, I'm saying, just do it, all right? Just do it. Hear the word of God and do it. We've got to be done. Stand with me. I'm getting excited about James. Because I think it's just going to shift our church and it's going to catapult us more and more into where we need to be uh, serving God in this neighborhood. That means every one of you, Pastor Dave and I, will be relentless. Hey, if you think we, we've been knocking on your door, you just wait. We're going to knock more. 
You know, we're going to ask you to do things. We're going to ask you over and over and over. We're going to keep asking you to do things. You can say no. We're a free church. All right? But we're not going to stop asking you. And sooner or later, we're going to tap you, and you're going to go, oh, I can do that. I like that. You know, and you're going to do, you're going to, you're going to do it. All right? But what we're doing, we need help. You know, this is not the Dave and Bill show. Never has been, never will be. All right? This is Life Church. It's all about the Father and the fact that through His Word, He has drawn you in to be first fruits, superior, in order that you may then obey Him and do the works of the kingdom. I hope you'll make that commitment in your heart right now. Uh, I want you to stand with me and pray, and we're going to go right into communion here. Um, I hope that you will, will grace me today because I've used about 10 minutes more time than I, I had wanted to here. Um, but I would love to have you join me with commu- in communion, all right? And what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to pray over you, and then Pastor Dave's going to come up and stand on one side, and I'm going to stand on the other. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do in closing today. I'd like you to just search your heart for a moment as I pray. And then I'm going to ask these two sections here to come to this side, these two sections to come to this side. Very quickly, just come, receive the elements of communion in your hands, and would you go back to your chair and stand for just a moment? And let's do this together, all right? Let's take communion together as a sign of our unity in the faith the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? Let's pray. God, we love you. We want our hearts searched. In this particular moment, would you just begin to speak? There are so many truths in your word that speak to us and shout to us loud. And there are some things that speak to us very softly and very quietly. But you speak. And you're speaking today. Would you right now open our hearts to you? Would you bring cleansing, healing, restoration, forgiveness? Would you speak life to us new and fresh? Would you begin to cut out the duplicities in our lives, the double standards and the conflicts and the adversities with the world? God, you call us to love you and hate the world. You even say that those who love the world are enemies of God. These are strong words, Father. Would you speak to us life in these words? And would you cause our hearts to be open to receive everything that we need today in a very fresh way at this communion table? I pray for new levels of commitment. I pray for old things to drop off. I pray for lives to be delivered. I pray for amazing healings. I pray for unbelievable, renewed commitment and passion. I pray for excitement and joy to to move ahead. I pray, God, that as we come to this table today, we meet you through your Son, Jesus Christ, in a most dynamic and profound way that changes us forever. God, we come to you. Jesus, We honor you and receive you today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to work these things in us. Bless this table as we receive. In the name of Jesus, amen.